Welcome to Parent Talk Podcasts, where experienced parents and expert guests give tips and tricks on making parenting a breeze. Well, at least a little easier. Now here is your host, Genevieve Kyle, and co-host, Heather Fox. Hi everyone, and welcome to Parent Talk, broadcasting out of the greater Vancouver area. We're here to inform, educate, and support parents from the early years and beyond. Our show is a great way to expand your village and fill your parental toolbox with as many resources as possible. I'm Genevieve Kyle. I'm your host here on Parent Talk, as well as on Les Parents Parle, which is Parent Talk's new French edition. I'm 43-year-old, and I'm a mom of two boys, Alexandre, who is two and a half, and Nathan, who is almost one. I'm here today with two co-hosts, Heather Fox and baby Madeline is with us today. Hi, Heather. Hello. Yes, that's right. We've got little Madeline sleeping on me right now. <laughs> so hopefully she stays that way. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, everyone. I am also a mom of Hudson, of course. He's uh, almost two and a half and Madeline is now 11 weeks old. Oh my goodness. And I myself am 41. <laughs> <laughs> And today we're talking about parenting strategies for the anxious child with Sonia Latifpour from Bright Star Cancelling. Sonia is a registered social worker, a child psychotherapist, and a mom of four children. I do recommend that you listen to Sonia's previous podcast with us on Parent Talk on understanding children's anxiety for more valuable information. Welcome, Sonia. We're really happy to be with you again today. Thank you. I'm so happy to be back with the three of you. Yes, yes, yes. My first question for you today is, how would I figure out if my child is anxious? So some things to look for in, in a child that or you suspect that your child might be anxious are some of these big, big feelings. So feelings that are the same another child would feel at this age, but they're just, um, they look big. So big meltdowns, temper tantrums, having difficulties moving between activities, so transitions, changes in schedule, in routine, going to school, not wanting to go on play dates. Uh, just having difficulty rolling rolling with life that's often uh, an indicator that there might be some underlying anxiety going on and when should i worry about my child anxiety i mean um everyone is anxious sometimes you know yeah absolutely and there's actually some research that shows a, when we have a little bit of anxiety it gets us to perform better so having some anxiety before writing a test will actually help you write that test because it gets us motivated gets us to be able to study and to work harder but when we're looking at anxiety in a child um, we're really looking at um, the impact on life So this is where a child has so much anxiety that they're having trouble going to school in the morning. They're having trouble um, going to a child's birthday party or going on a play date. So things that um, all the other kids are um, able to do and that um, your child is having difficulty enjoying regular childhood things. Big thing is when the anxiety is so big that they're not able to see the joy in an event anymore. So again, back to the birthday party, they are so nervous about going to the birthday party, they can't think of one, one positive thing about attending the party. So we see a lot of parents that seem to have anxiety themselves. Does that affect the child and how does that look in the family dynamic? 
Oh, absolutely. You have parents, um, you see parents that have had little to no anxiety in their life until they are parenting an anxious child. It's very distressing to see your child be be very be anxious and you can tell when a child is anxious I mean they're crying they don't want to go um, they, they feel sick some child will even vomit they're feeling so anxious so to to not react to that is is almost unnatural not to react that way so a lot of times the whole family is accommodating anxiety or well, we'd like to call it in therapy mr. worry or Mrs. Worry, and you see changes in schedule to accommodate um, the worry. You see um, little things like phone calls home from school to check on the child, parent coming to pick the child up early, giving Fridays off, um, all these well-meaning strategies to help with the anxiety. Um, Actually, Jen, you have a great example of doing some doing some crafts with some your craft, son yes uh every thursday we like to go to there's a little school and they, op- they have an open open house and one room it's craft so every thursday alex likes to go do craft and i was talking with sonia earlier and uh, i noticed sometimes parents don't let their child do their own craft so earlier when it was christmas uh, the child wanted to put the hat on the tummy and the parents would basically take the hat no 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 it doesn't go there Mm -hmm. and would put the hat on the top of the snowman and it would basically not let the child craft and I thought that was like oh that's interesting which I look at my child and the hat was basically on the butt and it didn't matter right the carrot was of the snowman was anywhere but it was wherever my child wanted to put it so I was kind of letting him play and uh, yeah, I thought it was really interesting mm-hmm. to see the, the interaction with the parents. And I was paying attention um, what type of behavior the parents, like how they were behaving. And I could pick up some anxiety there. Mm-hmm. So it was really interesting to see the interaction between the parent and the children. And I could see those child being more anxious than the other children. So interesting. Yeah, it's a great example. Yeah. It's a great example. So I see what you're saying about how parents can react and kind of get more anxiety themselves when they have an anxious child. What if there's a situation where they actually have anxiety themselves prior to children or say a postpartum anxiety where their little ones aren't actually showing anxiety yet? Can they can that anxiety in the parent then lead to their children actually becoming an anxious child? Absolutely. And it's this really, it's this dance between parent and child where it's a nature nurture. I mean, we know um, from research that um, there's a genetic component to anxiety as well. But being an anxious parent to begin with, um, a good example is um, worried about safety. So worried about your child running, falling, hurting themselves. And we call this safety chatter where you hear the parents saying, oh, be careful, you're going to fall, you're going to scrape your leg, and then maybe you'll have to go to the hospital. So instead of just saying, oh, be careful, um, or even more specific, uh, make sure both your feet are on the ground when, when you jump off that, that rock or what, whatever it is. So not going into that catastrophic talk about then you're going to fall and then this and this and this is going to happen, which is uh, a really a hallmark of anxiety is that catastrophic thinking and parents are saying this out loud to their to their child and they internalize that and that becomes their own way of seeing the world yeah Mm, that makes me think about is it possible sometimes parents can actually be 
too helpful and create more anxiety. Yes. So if you are constantly reassuring your child and you're saying, good job, that was really great. You were really brave. You know, that the intention again is is great because you want to acknowledge your child being brave, but in a way you're also letting them know, yes, there is something to worry about. So all the reassuring is their child's beginning to think, wow, there must be really something for me to worry about if I'm getting all this reassurance all the time. Also, when a parent is too directive, so let's take an example of um, of, of someone coming in to tell their teacher they, they forgot their homework. So they're in the car riding with their parent. They're saying, you know, mom, I, I forgot my homework. And then mom or dad jumps in and said, okay, well, you can go into the classroom and you can tell the teacher that you forgot your homework. And then their teacher's probably going to say this and this and this and this is going to happen. Instead of asking your child, oh, you forgot your homework. Hmm, I wonder what you can do. Wonder what, what do you think? So allowing your child to problem solve um, really builds up the resilience for the child and your child begins to understand that they can handle anxious situations. Anxiety is not something they need to run from or avoid. Mm -hmm. So Sonia, for example, here, let's say um, letting your child cancel a play date or pretend to be sick, let's say for a school performance and making everything okay for them. I'm guessing here it is not a good idea to do this for them, right? You're right, but in the short term, it, it, it absolutely is helpful because then for that evening or for that weekend, there's no anxiety and the child has been rescued from their anxiety. So short, short term, yes, it, it works, but in the long term, it, it takes a lot of exposure to anxiety to understand that anxiety is not as scary as, as we think it is. And without your child having the opportunity to really challenge that way of thinking, um, will continue to exasperate the, the anxiety. Even a child that says, well, I can't, I can't. Encouraging a child to say, well, I don't want to. I don't want to implies that there's some choice. But I can't is, is I, I can't. Anxiety is just bigger than me. Or even saying, I can't yet. I can't yet do that. That, that some of that language around anxiety is, is really helpful when, when that can be, be changed a little bit because anxious children um, think about all the time, everywhere, um, never. They use kind of these big words that cause this catastrophic thinking in their, in their mind. So when we have our child facing anxieties um, and kind of make them go to these events and different things like that, it can be really hard and frustrating for the parents. Do you have any advice for this? Oh, it's very difficult sometimes uh, to, to parent an anxious child because their anxiety seems very irrational to you as a parent. Um, so really looking for the small steps so as an example you have a child that's really really shy and really anxious and and if an adult talks to to her or him um will just look away and hide behind your legs but maybe one day will poke up poke out between your legs and say hi that is a huge step 
And I think unless um, you're, you're in that child's brain and understood what courage that took to do that, that's often missed. So really looking for those little small steps, even if they still don't want to go to school in the morning, they're still nervous on a, on a Monday morning, but they turn to you one more time before they go in the classroom, they flash you their, their smile or a thumbs up. That is, that's a big step and really looking for those steps because we can as a parent become really overwhelmed by our child's anxiety. So looking for that, those little steps that your child is facing their anxiety. Cause we all want to build on our strengths and on our accomplishments. Then when we feel that everything we try is not really working. So um, keep looking for that and noticing your own anxiety and, and being able to regulate your own um, worry about your child and, and keeping that in intact. Yeah. Sonia, in previous podcasts, you talked about providing empathy when they're anxious. What words can I use with my child? So empathy, uh, you would always use when they're really in that heightened state of anxiety, when they're crying, when they're not feeling good, um, when they're, when they're, so that when they're dysregulated. So, um, that's like having, uh, your, your brain, the front of your brain just unplugged. So doesn't matter all the reasoning you're doing with your child about why not to be anxious that's not working they're they're not listening they're just really having these big feelings and that's where you would use um, empathy so things like saying you know this looks really hard for you um, can I give you a hug uh, it's okay to feel scared uh, I felt the same way too can I sit with you and rub your back while you sort out these big feelings So the intention here is to move your child through the feeling to the other side when they are kind of their brains back online, they're all plugged in again, and then you can move to the problem solving part of their, their anxiety. And if you're going through the problem solving part, and again, here they go crying, I can't do it. I don't like it. No, no, no. Again, then you go back to the empathy part. Mm -hmm. So after I helped calm my child down, What do I do next? So then you're moving in, into the problem solving. So you're gonna you're gonna frame the problem. So you're gonna identify Mr. Worry or whatever your child has identified. So we've used worry dragons, um, worry snakes. I've seen dinosaurs. I've seen unicorns. The kids are so creative when it comes to that. So whatever your child has identified as the worry. So Mr. Worry. So what's Mr. Worry telling you? Nobody's oh, saying that I might get left out when, when I come to the birthday party and someone I might not find you. What if you don't pick me up on time? Okay. Well, that sounds like Mr. Worry is saying this and this or that. So you're framing the problem. So this is the problem. And then you're going to ask your child, what could we do? What, what, what can we do? And then you're quiet and let your child do some problem solving. So you frame the problem with your child. You've identified that Mr. Worry has is worrying them about something and then you're going to let them problem solve. So this means that you are allowing them to come up with a way to work their way through the anxious situation. So children who are anxious tend to be inflexible. They have more of this, this rigid thinking. So allowing your child to practice some of that problem solving really works on some of that skill of, of looking at alternate ways of looking at a situation. So for instance, back to the going on to a birthday party where they might not find a friend. 
uh, to play with and they're afraid that they might be standing alone. Um, that is one way to look at it. So as you work through the problem solving, um, looking at other ways it could turn out, well, maybe they'll find a new friend to play with, or maybe they will go over and um, ask to join another group of friends. So all these different alternatives to this catastrophic ending that they are imagining will help them move away from this black and white thinking that anxious child uh, typically, typically do. So Sonia, what are some other strategies I can use or teach my child? So you've heard me talk about an externalizing worry into Mr. Worry or um, so having worry be something else so that they have a chance to boss their worry back. We talk a lot about in therapy about being the boss of their worry, um, giving them the, the confidence so they're not just overwhelmed by that big feeling. Breathing is a big thing as well. So when we've got oxygenated blood moving to our brain, it it calms us down and gives the child something to do. So anxiety has a way of wanting us to either uh, run away or freeze. So that fight or uh, flight part of the brain um, is is activated in anxiety. So um, doing some breathing exercises, there's a lot you can you can google fun kids breathing exercises uh one where you're riding the elevator up so you're you're breathing in holding your breath for three seconds and then riding the elevator back down and you can do that with your arms your hands going up and then back down or taking the cookies out of the oven so you're pretending to take the tray of cookies out of the oven and then oh they're hot and then you're blowing on the on the cookies so you're getting your child to do some breathing in and then slowly breathing out Um, there's one grounding exercise uh, that works really well you can teach your child so um, five things you five things you see so you just pick five things that I see I see a Heather I see a cutest little baby I see uh, Genevieve I see a computer and um, I see a water in front of me so those are the five things you see so and four things you feel so this is to activate really all the senses so I'm I feel myself sitting on a on a on a chair my feet are on the ground so uh, four of those and three things that you uh, that you hear and then two things that you smell and one thing that you taste. Guaranteed, you won't be worrying during that time that your brain is occupied in grounding yourself in those senses. Kids usually really like like doing that. Um, Exercise, so get moving. If you're anxious, get your child moving, whether it is doing five jumping jacks and jumping on your foot, uh, jumping on one foot and then the other foot or running around the counters. Um, anything just to get moving Um, less screen time so uh, screen time is um, a great distraction from anxiety but um, also is not helping your child move through that anxiety Um, and the the big secret to uh, Mr. Worry is always doing the opposite of what Mr. Worry tells us to do so if Mr. Worry says, no, 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 I don't think it's a good idea um, to be going here today, then we do exactly the opposite of what Mr. Worry thinks, what Mr. Worry tells us so that we can tell Mr. Worry, you're actually wrong. You're a big liar, Mr. Worry, and you are worrying me for nothing, and I'm going to prove it to you. But it's hard to prove Mr. Worry wrong if we're not getting into the situation to, to show him that 
there was actually very little to worry about. Anxious kids uh, don't like to feel uncomfortable. So anxiety is not a nice feeling to have and they don't want to feel that feeling. But the more that you feel that feeling, the less scary it, it becomes. So it's that, that dance between pushing your child to feel uncomfortable, but not so uncomfortable that they are dysregulated and are not managing to go through the situation. So you don't want to throw throw your child into a situation where they're not able to handle it yet. So you're taking little, little, tiny, tiny baby steps. Um, as an example, you know, someone who um, is really afraid of, um, of, of spiders, you're going to start off with thinking about a spider and you're going to look at a spider on a picture then you are going to um, see a real spider but in a glass jar and then so you're moving up you're moving a little bit closer to your through your worry but in a way where you're feeling in control and you're feeling you're building on successes was the same concept with with children mm-hmm so how can we as a mom or as a dad model flexibility and have positive response to manage our own anxiety? Because we know like we're all anxious at a time or something happened or you're late and anxiety comes and goes, right? So how do we model this to our children? Yeah, so one thing anxiety wants is 100% reassurance that something's not going to happen. And we know out in the world that we don't have 100% reassurance um, about anything, really, other than death and taxes. (laughs) (laughs) So how do we get our children to move through a world that doesn't give us reassurances and where things change? So a big thing... um, to learn is flexibility and how can we learn that as a family together uh, one great exercise a strategy you can try is to um, put up a big poster on the wall and whenever you notice someone being flexible so we call it the wall of flexibility um, you have a little sticky notes and whenever you notice someone being flexible and this might be to a child where um, they want a glass of milk and they're they're saying mom can I have a glass of milk sorry I don't have any milk oh well I'll have a glass of water hey that's being flexible so a little sticky note up on the wall of flexibility and if the whole family has been able to um, be flexible on five things in the week then the whole family can go out and do something together or whatever is important for your family so really making this a family um, a family exercise so everyone's exercising flexibility because um, having your child be flexible yet you are not altering your own way of interacting with the world and with your child um, is not as powerful as everyone does it together um, same thing you can do with um, kind of this disaster thinking that I touched upon that that anxious people and kids do or we're always kind of looking at the worst case scenario is you can make a, a disaster jar. So who notices the most disastrous thinking in the family? Whenever you noticed, uh, notice one, you put your little marble into a jar and who can ever, whoever can um, identify them, the, the, as many disastrous thoughts in the week wins a prize at the end. So making it fun um, and engaging with the, I guess with you the can whole make family. It crafty. Right? Oh, you can do whatever. I've seen a really creative. Of... A f- wall of flexibility. Yeah. And it's funny because often the parents have a harder time with this than the than the, the kids because it starts off by 
parents saying, no, 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 you can't hang that in here. You can't hang that there. You can't hang that wall here, that poster here. So it's a, it's a fun family exercise to see who, who, um, who could be the most flexible. Another way of talking often when you're modeling, um, flexibility or you're monitoring that resilience um, is to kind of talk out loud talk out loud to your to yourself in front of your kids um, if you have a, a work project or you have a presentation and you're afraid of presentation kind of uh, talking to your child how you're nervous this morning but you're going to remember that um, you've done it before that you were successful last time that you were nervous but you got through it so just talking out loud your child, if you're an older child, they might be rolling their eyes, but it doesn't matter. You're still modeling, modeling that. And um, instead of the problem solving or moving your child towards problem solving, you can, I love this one. It's called, um, I wonder. Like, I wonder if this would happen or I wonder if that would happen. And most kids can't resist and jump in there and say, oh, I know what's going to happen. So it's an interesting way to open up conversation. All right, Sana, those are all fantastic ideas. When should we seek professional help? So you've read some books, you've uh, looked at your own anxiety, you've reflected on your own anxiety, you've tried to make some changes, you've tried some strategies, and it's still really impacting your child and your family's life. Then um, I would reach out to for some professional help and um, some families come to see me and we have one parenting session and that's all, that's all the family needed. It was just to touch base and come up with some strategies particular to their family that worked and that's all they needed. And some end up bringing their child in and having more intensive therapy, but the earlier the intervention, the better the outcome. So, so if you're not sure, shy. Mm-hmm. maybe just go and check, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sonia, we can find you on our panel of experts at parenttalk.ca. Where else can we find you? You can also find me at brightstarcounseling.com. Awesome. Heather, I think it's time for a conversation card. Can you please pick one and read it to us, please? All right, ladies. So today we're going to talk about the saying, show your true colors. So the meaning is to reveal, often unintentionally, one's true beliefs or feelings, which are often different from one says or does. So the origin of this saying is that early warships would fly a flag or colors of a different nation in order to get close to the enemy. When they were within firing range, they would often hoist their own flag and show their true colors. So it's a little sneaky. (laughs) So our question, ladies, is can you give an example of how someone might have shown their true colors when it comes to dating? Oh, Oh, no. Sonia, you're first. (laughs) Wow, the first thing that... IQ is the first thing that I think. So I had a boyfriend once that after I told him that I was terribly afraid of flying to Europe, he suggested I drive there. Dun, dun, dun. I don't know what that says about me. And you're in Canada, right? I'm in Canada. Let's oh, just drive to Europe. <laughs> that's, that's I've, I've driven there car. before. It reflects so badly on me. <laughs> I love it. Oh, that's funny. Oh, my that relationship ended after that. Yeah. Well, this one was, yeah, the last night we ever dated was, um, 
we were getting ready to go to a girlfriend's birthday party and it started snowing and in Vancouver, it doesn't snow very often. So <laughs> it was a big deal. We don't have snow tires because it's not a regular occurrence. And right away, oh, and the other kind of thing, because I'm a girl and I was, you know, getting all ready for this date and I'd actually had my hair done and everything. Well, he gets there. He says nothing about that. All he's doing is talking about how he doesn't want to drive his car in the snow. And like, it was just... I was like, what? Like, well, I guess we can take mine, but I'm not really comfortable. Well, <laughs> he's like, well, no, I don't want my car out there. Like, it was just like, it was very disturbing. And your car did not matter. No, it, it, neither did my not being comfortable. And anyway, so I was like, well, fine, we'll take my car. But I don't know. I'm not feeling good about this. So, but I really wanted to get to my friend's you know, event. So we did. We drove my car. Well, of course, it kept snowing. It got worse. So that whole evening, I was like, oh, my goodness. Well, we're not driving home. So my car stayed in Vancouver. We walked, and I was non-walking shoes, especially in the snow, all the way to the SkyTrain station. <laughs> Had to get on transit to get all the way back home. He didn't even make sure I got home okay. He got on his own bus and went his own way at one point. The entire way home, we never spoke, and we never spoke again. And my lovely father took me to get my car the next day. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Well, he's but, very yeah. inflexible, and you were very flexible. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but that night was actually the night I finally started flirting with my husband. And oh, yeah, so it was oh, all meant to be. <laughs> For me, oh gosh, I have one example here is I was dating this guy, I think one, maybe two months in, actually, and invited me into his house in Whistler. So we were there for the weekend, and we got there on Friday night, so Saturday had a great day, went out, did everything, and on Sunday, he basically turned around and said, it's a beautiful day, do you golf? And I say, no. He's like, I think I'm going to go golfing. And I'm like, <laughs> ah, okay, you're going to go golfing? What am I going to do? I'm supposed to, <laughs> this is a new relationship, right? We're there together. So. Wow. I said, of course you can't go golfing. But in my head, I'm like, if you go golfing, you're fired, right? So, <laughs> so we went golfing and that was the end of the story. And that was the end. Yeah. Wow. I thought, this oh, is, goodness. if you're not excited to be with me right now. Yeah. Maybe that was his routine. He had to golf. He had to golf. So he well, was being rigid and inflexible. Just, that was it for me. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, that concludes today's episode. I want to thank you, Heather and Madeline. She did a really good job. <laughs> a couple peep, maybe. And of course, thank you, Sonia, for joining us today. Thank you. I always love coming. Yeah, we would love to have you. <laughs> for our listeners, if you want to hear a little bit more about Heather and I, we are releasing some mini episode called Real Mom Moments, where we talk about what's happening in our daily lives. If you have a question or you would like to join us on our show as a guest or as an expert, please visit the contact us section on our website at parenttalk.ca. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or on any platform where you like to listen to your favorite podcast. You can always subscribe to this podcast on our website at parenttalk.ca. If you have a minute, please review us. We want to know what you think. Remember, there's nothing more powerful than feeling supported by a community of parents and sharing your thoughts, ideas, and experiences. Parent Talk is a safe space for everyone. Thank you everyone for listening and have a great week.
Bye. The views and or opinions of the host and their guests are not necessarily those of Parent Talk and should not be considered as fact. The information offered is believed to be accurate but is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice and should not be used for diagnosing or treating any health issue or prescribing medication. If you have any questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your child, please seek assistance from a qualified healthcare practitioner. Thank you.